Hey everybody, how's it going? Doug here, one of the host producers and creators of the Genre of Your Life podcast, bringing you a review roundup slash audio newsletter this week, right before the lovely holiday of Christmas. First off, I want to wish you guys all a very, very happy and safe, lovely holiday. Hope you're enjoying time with family, your friends, or even by yourself. Hope you're enjoying the time, you know, this beautiful holiday season as we wrap up this year and we're so close to the new year of 2024. Again, we want to thank you all for a lovely, lovely 2023. Um, as I mentioned in our last episode, number 36 with Joelle, Nick, and myself, this year has been phenomenal in terms of the show and what we produced, what we, you know, brought to you all, and the response and feedback has just been, you know, wonderful. Really, like, without you all, we couldn't have gotten to the 10,000 listeners on, and, and, and counting, actually, more, uh, on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, you know, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, thanks to you all. Also, the, you know, the growth on our YouTube as well as our, you know, social medias really spoke volumes to us. You know, it means the world to me as, you know, someone who just got, into, who just, you know, just wanted to, you know, talk about movies with his friends for a couple hours every week. And the ability to do that is very, very uh, humbling and very, I'm very honored to do that every week with the boys or even just by myself when I do these kind of like review slash, you know, audio newsletters for you all. But seriously, it's really been a special year for all of us. Um, we want to thank you again from the bottom of our hearts. It means a lot to us. And more to come. Like I said, we have a lot more on the pipeline for you guys, you know, for 2024. I'm trying to expand more into hopefully video podcasting. You know, me and uh, Nick have an idea of trying to do video stuff, you know, because we're both in, you know, AZ together. You know, Moses is in LA, Joel's in Chicago. So hopefully we can find a way to kind of like do a video for all you guys. You see our beautiful faces um, every week, which kind of accompanies the audio, of course, every week. But uh, hopefully... They have figured it out for you guys, uh, and maybe early early next year, if not sooner than later. But as of now, still doing the audio, and also have our audio show on our YouTube page as well. But thank you guys, seriously. Again, hope you all have an amazing holiday with loved ones, again, family, friends, or yourself. Enjoy this time. Reflect. You know, enjoy the moment. You know, enjoy the moment. I think I'm learning a lot this year too. Just enjoy the time. You know, to reflect, to kind of regroup. You know, a look back. You know, it's. I always love to look, love to reflect and look back on a month, year, day, whatever, a week, because you know it's kind of makes you kind of see like where you started from and how you kind of progressed as a person and stuff like that. But anywho, we want to thank you all again for an amazing year. And uh, again, we love doing the show. It's one again one of my biggest honors of my life. I know I know I speak for Joel, Moses, and Nick. We love doing the show. Really, it's it's our favorite thing to do during the week when we're not going to the movies or you know not going to screening or whatever. But you know this really means a lot to us. So thank you guys again for the ongoing support. We truly, truly mean it means the world to us. As always, guys, you can find the show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, or your favorite podcast platform of choice. Like I said, we also have a full audio show. On our YouTube page, youtube.com backslash Midway Avenue Productions. You'll find our, our audio show on there, our audio version of our show on YouTube, as well as our kind of theater reactions and kind of quick videos here and there. But also, again, there's also our socials is at, at Midway, Avenue, Midway Avenue Productions. But again, while you're there, hit that follow button, subscribe, leave a review, leave a rating, please. We want to hear from you. Hit that review, hit that review button, hit that rate button. Let us let us know. You know, please rate us on the show. Because again, if you're doing good, awesome. If you're doing bad, hey, that's fine too. We want to hear from you guys. You know, your feedback and comments mean the world to us. We want to hear from you. Uh, so yeah, subscribe, follow, hit that follow button. Um, again, comments, review, rate, share us with your friends and your family. Hope you're enjoying the show. Again, we have a lot for you guys on the horizon for 2024. But as always, guys, thank you again. I'll say it again. Thank you, thank you, thank you for your ongoing support. It means the world to uh, to us and myself. Alrighty, so on this week's kind of audio newsletter slash review roundup episode, I got one review for you late 
three months late, I would say, and it's Martin Scorsese's Killers of the Flower Moon. And this is his follow-up to, I want to say three years ago now? No, four years ago, actually. Uh, when the Irishman came out back in November of 2019. And, you know, Scorsese is definitely one of my favorite filmmakers, no doubt about it. I mean, in my top ten, I have Goodfellas and Wolf of Wall Street. But Wolf of Wall Street, kind of, well, that movie, but I might replace it with True Romance or something like that. Because I feel like I've been watching that more more often than Wolf of Wall Street. And I love the book of Wolf of Wall Street, too. Don't be wrong. And I love that movie. But, you know, kind of watching different movies, kind of having appreciation as I get older and stuff like that. And Wolf of Wall Street is definitely a big part of, like, my teenage years of reading the book and seeing that in high school. I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is provocative. This is insane. And Leo DiCaprio, this is his best role. And I still, I still stand by that. I think he should have won. I think, I think he should have won the Oscar for Wolf of Wall Street, not The Revenant. And I think Tom Hardy was better in The Revenant than Leo. But, hey, that's just me. That's a little hot take. Um, but yeah, you know, I was looking forward to seeing this movie because I like that he's going back to theatrical. You know, I you heard me on the show multiple times that I love this partnership with Apple TV and Apple Original Films with studios. You know, they're partnering with studios. They're partnering with Sony, Paramount, Universal. This goes on and on. That to me is how we have streaming, how we have theatrical. We kind of worked hand in hand. You know, Argyle coming out by Matthew Vaughn in February. It's a Universal slash Apple Original Film par- partnership. Uh, I believe. Oh, who is it? Um, John Watts, who did the recent uh, Spider-Man trilogy with Tom, Tom Holland. His movie with Brad Pitt and George Clooney is going to be, have a theatrical release, you know, and then on streaming uh, Apple TV longer, whatever. And this is the key right here, in my opinion. This is how theatrical wins. This is how streaming wins. When they work both hand-in-hand hand like this together, good things happen. I think it's a win for theatrical, win for streaming, because if you miss this movie or you love this movie, whatever, okay, I'll be able to watch it. I'll be on Apple TV in a few weeks, a few months, whatever. Can't wait! I'm, I'm there. I'm gonna subscribe. Whatever. You gotta have these move these streaming services and movies work hand in hand. But the key also is to, you know, have them work simultaneously and give them the proper um, release schedule. Meaning, you gotta keep them in theaters for a couple couple of weeks, couple of months, whatever. I think the new norm is 45. I want to say, but I think we're, I think it's been kind of like pushed back a little bit. I think you know. As we're getting out of COVID and you know, Top Gun Maverick had the huge success that it did, we're seeing more movies have kind of a longer, longer time in theaters. A I.e. Oppenheimer, Oppenheimer, well, Christopher Nolan fought for that in his contract. He wants to have a ninety-day window, whatever, and then DVD, Blu-ray, whatever months, and that was. And the Blu-ray came out what, November last on my birthday of last of last of last month. So that came out back in July. So you got to give the movies enough time to have an audience in theaters. A nice, you know, uh, window of uh, how many days in theaters, and then you bring them on to streaming, or whatever, because that's how both everyone profits. And I hope that in 2024, I hope these Apple TV, Apple Originals uh, partner well with partners with studios and theaters really well, because I think yeah, I've seen Napoleon. I've heard very mixed things about it, but I think it did modestly well. I think Kills of the Flower Moon did modestly well too. I mean, people think it's a flop, yeah, but also it's also a four-hour movie. It's hard to make get a lot of, get a lot of screen time, but Again, it's to me, it's still a win because you had a really wide release, a theatrical release with Apple and the studios compared to with Netflix, who, you know, they barely put the movies in theaters, a few markets here and there. You know, in AZ, we have Harkins. Harkins can show those movies like The Killer or Maestro, but AMC, Regal, Cinemark, oh, no, sorry, AMC and Regal, some other ones do not because why, 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 why uh, show your competition's movies on our theaters? I get it. So... A lot to it, obviously, and I do think that. Hope you learn from this that theatrical needs streaming, 
shipping is theatrical. It's really important that these two work together. And I really do like the collaboration with Apple and these studios, whether it's Paramount, Universal, Sony, whatever. It's a smart move on their part. I hope more the studios adapt to that as well. So, like I said, I was looking for this movie for a lot of reasons. I was hearing great things about it. You know, I think cool. He's back in theaters with another movie. Let's go. Again, I prior on the show multiple times. The Irishman to me was a big letdown for me. I was like, wow. And I, I went out of my way to see that movie at a really independently small, small theater here in Phoenix. That theater is now gone because of COVID. But like, I didn't see it when it came out in other theaters for like what a week or so, whatever. Then it got pulled. So I waited weeks to go see it. I refused to watch it on Netflix because I'm like, well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna watch it in theaters because it's, it's, it's a Scorsese movie. I saw Silence in theaters too. Same thing. I was like, I, I gotta see this movie in theaters. I think I had FOMO of not seeing Wolf of Wall Street. Or so like The Departed and you know, Goodfellas. I was too young at the time to go see this movie in theaters. So like this time around, so I, I had to see a movie. Irish, I had to see Irishman in theaters. Saw it. I was like, hmm, three and a half hours. I was definitely like, I'm glad I saw it in theaters. But also I was like, mm, yeah, this was disappointing. I thought that it was it was just wasn't. I thought it was very weak in terms of visuals. I thought the story was a little just a little too long. It was too dragged out. I mean, I saw it once. I can't remember most of it, but I just remember like not like having like, oh, it was fine. I remember in school, everyone at I was a senior in, senior in college at the time, and everyone was like, this is the best movie ever. This is so good. And I was like, yeah, it was cool. And a lot of my friends, Joel, Moses, Nick, and a lot of friends, they were like, yeah, it was cool, but like, it wasn't like Wolf of Wall Street. It wasn't like The Party. It wasn't like, you know, Goodfellas or Casino. And I'm like, yeah, exactly. So I so this time around, I was like, cool. You know what? It's going to be another Scorsese movie. It's Leo's come back in it. Let's go. De Niro. Um, I was hearing great things about Lily Gladstone. So I'm like, cool. I'm looking forward to it. And then obviously, you know, with... October was a busy month. You know, we get me and my girlfriend they had adopted a dog, so we were like kind of just busy with that. Other screenings at the time, it was kind of just busy. A lot of movies coming out. I was very behind. I had people visiting, stuff like that. So I kept prolonging. Like I'll see it eventually. I'll see it on Discount Tuesday, whatever it is. What it is? I kept prolonging it, prolonging it, prolonging it. And I was like, oh, I gotta see this movie before it's before it leaves. And I went to the only theater that was playing it in AZ <laughs> again, like I did Irishman. Uh, it was a really small theater, and I was like, okay, I'm gonna go to this, whatever. So I'm going to 6 p.m. a night showing, probably empty. Let's go. And I, I walked in. I was kind of surprised that not only was it crowded, I was like, this is pretty packed for a movie that's been out for a couple of months. And like I said, it did pretty well opening weekend. I think like big 22, 23 million dollars opening weekend. But again, I missed out when it was on the other big theaters. So I was looking forward to regardless, no matter what. Again, I walked in. I'm glad, I'm glad that they, I'm glad that they, you know, had a good, you know, good turnout for this movie. It's been out for a couple of months. You know, a lot of Oscar buzz. A lot of people was top 10 on the year has this movie. So I was looking forward to it. Um, but you know, also this, I mean, I remember walking in and this is the crowd, again, I was definitely the youngest person in the crowd seeing this movie. And I love telling you know, stories like this in, on the podcast and in people is that, you know, you, you know, I have definitely have a history of seeing movies with a bunch of, let's say interesting people, the most, maybe the correct term. And these elder people walk into, so walk in right after me, and they're like, they're yelling, they're talking, they're on their, and I'm just like, oh no, and they're like, talking really obnoxiously loud in the trailers, and I was like, okay, man, the movie starts to be quiet, movie starts, obviously they're talking, where is this taking place, huh, huh, and like, they're talking, whatever, and no, I'm gonna say the first 10 minutes of the movie, this one guy answers his phone, he goes, hey, how's it going, hey, Laurel, no, I'm not doing anything, I'm just watching a movie, and I see the people next to me, on the same road with me, people behind me, and people behind them, again, for a small theater, they're like, Oh, come on. Now, me too. I was like, this is why I probably shouldn't wait three months or two months after the movie comes out to go see it. This is on me. <laughs> I should have seen it when it came out originally. And I was like, uh-oh. And that was definitely, it definitely took away from the experience because, like, whenever something happened, they go, who was that? What happened? Who's that character? Who's who? 
And if one, if one of them went to the bathroom, they came back. They go, so here's what you missed. This happened, this happened, this happened. And I was like, oh, no. I can tell the people in my row, the people behind me, are just like, you got to be shitting me. Like, this is still going. Like, come on now. And then they, they stopped for a while. But that's my – it kind of took away from the experience, I'll, I'll be honest. But, it, again, it's just how I, I have a history of – I have stories, so many stories of seeing movies with, with interesting people and moviegoers. So it's the biz, right? Uh, you know – also, too, if you had some theaters had a Q&A before the movie with Leo and um, Martin Scorsese, and this Q&A is so uncomfortable because Leo is like, st- again, I stammer and I stutter, I talk fast, I know that, but Leo is like reading these weird questions to, to Marty, to Scorsese, via like, a, you know, cue cards, and Leo's like, so in the movie, you did this, and also, pause, pause, looks at the card, also, this story about the Osage Nation and these people, pause, pause, looking at the question, looking at the cue card again, and it was so weird, I was like, dude, like, this is your movie too, you don't, you don't know what you're talking about, and it was so bizarre, and I was like, okay, and you know, Scorsese had a great response, you know, this story, why this one, it's very, you know, this story's where, you know, I'm talking to the Osage Nation, you know, the people and the survivors, stuff like that, and I was like, oh, wow, and it was just like, oh, interesting. And, but man, oh man, it was just like, it just was a really weird Q&A. And I said, Leo was just like reading these cue cards, just like really, really oddly. I'm like, dude, you're not prepared for this. Like, what's going on here? And he did, like, he was just, the way he was just kind of reading them off and just kind of looking like back and forth, it was just, it was odd. And I was like, that was such a weird, Q- like maybe 10, 15 minute Q&A, like, it was pre-recorded obviously, but it was so weird. I was like, oh, okay. And I just felt like Leo didn't want to be there. But also, too, it was just like, I don't know, it was, it was odd. But, you know, that's before the movie even started. So a lot of things happened before the movie with people and even the people I, in front of me. So, start right off the bat, except, as I said, you know, I love Wolf Wall Street. I love Departed. He sort of says he, I love Taxi Driver. Definitely one of my favorite directors of all time. But this, to me, is not his best in opinion. I think a lot of people are saying, this is his masterpiece. This is his magnum opus. This is like, he's back, whatever. And I'm like, y'all said the same thing with The Irishman. And I disagreed heavily. But again, that's the beauty of movies. You know, and they all, all film is subjective. I don't think I've loved a movie of his since Wolf of Wall Street. Um, you guys had Silence. I was looking forward to seeing. I saw that in freshman year of college, of film school, and I was like, okay, "This wasn't for me." I love Andrew Garfield, love Liam Neeson, and I like and I like Adam Driver, and I was like, "This was just so long." I just think it was kind of just like, "Huh, you followed up Wolf of Wall Street with this," and also that movie did poorly. I mean, no one even saw that movie. That movie just tanked. And again, I drove to another theater with some friends. You see it on a random weekend because he was only playing this one theater like an hour away. You're like, oh, let's go see it. You know, it's Scorsese. It was just that movie was just did not sit well with me at all. As that was just very just like, ugh. Um, and the Irishman hype for game, same thing. I was like, oh, Netflix. I was like, oh, Netflix game, but it's on theater or whatever. And then sure enough, same thing. And then this movie, again, I think everyone's saying this is his masterpiece. This is like, he's back, man. This is like old school Scorsese. Scorsese, Leo's the best. And I honestly thought it was fine. If you heard my after reaction, I was very lukewarm with this movie. I was like, it was fine. Like, it was good, but I didn't like love it. Um, you know, as always, I'll start with the, start with the pros, what, what I enjoyed about this movie. Um, I think the acting, for the most acting from across the board, well, minus one person I'll mention, is pretty great. It's definitely in top tier. I think Lily Gladstone, who I was not familiar with before, um, is phenomenal in this movie. But I'll give you some context, too. Don't be wrong. Sorry for that. Is that this movie is basically 1920s based on true stories that the Osage Nation was was the wealthiest uh, people in America per capita um, ever, and because they they were they were uh, they were on oil, they had their land was on oil, 
And at the time, oil was gold, and they had they were just the richest. They were the richest people per capita in America. And but in 1920s Oklahoma, soon one by one, the Osage Nation, the the people were being killed and slaughtered off oddly. And it was every week, it was every night, almost it was always a murder, and it was like or a quote accident. And it was like what was going on because you know what's going on here because this is this is so odd. This is very bizarre. And it was just, it was, it was causing, you know, turmoil. It was causing distress. It was causing like so many heartbreaks. It was, again, it was murder. It was disturbing. It's, it's awful what happened. And it was like, what's going on here? And then Leo comes back. Leo is back from the war. He falls in love with Luke Gladstone's character. And they do love each other. But it just, during this time where they're getting, they're, they got married, they're having kids. Lily Gladstone's character, uh, Molly, her family's being killed off, and her people and her in her nation and her nation are just dying. So it's basically that that kind of story of like what's going on. It's about murders. It's about you know what's what is going on this time, and the FBI get involved, and it's a huge exploration of like what the fuck was going on this time. What's who's behind these murders? Who's behind the, all these killings? And again, our the book is like phenomenal. Everyone loves this book, and the book I think I think the book was told via the FBI perspective. Who Jesse Plemons, who Jesse Plemons plays the main FBI agent was before the FBI with the FBI with the federal bu- the federal bureau, um, and this is like this is like before uh, FBI became like what we know as FBI today, um, and in the movie I think Scorsese was talking about that how he want the talking to the people of the Osage Nation they were saying hey you know what we want to tell a story not from the FBI perspective but from like Leo and Molly's perspective uh, because uh, sorry, Leo and um, Lee Gladstone character's perspective, uh, Ernest and Molly from there, and so that's what they, ch- they changed that to that perspective. And Lee was the lead, obviously. Lee Gladstone also the co-lead. You're like, okay, it's from that story. And like I said Lee Gladstone is phenomenal. It's again, not not being familiar with her work before, yeah, she's phenomenal because what she has to go, what she goes through as a character is is so heartbreaking. It's it's devastating. It's disturbing, and it's like, oh my god, this poor. This poor woman is just going through so much. Her her for her family, her nation is being killed off one by one. What is going on? And the way she's able to kind of just like show that range of just like woman, she's calm. Woman, she's just like she's she's just dying inside because you know her fa- her people are being murdered and, and massacred. And it's just the way she just captures that on screen is really remarkable. And you know I I've seen a lot of great acting this year of you know black performances. And I would put up there one of my favorite ones, maybe with Devine Joy, Divine Joy Randolph from The Holdover. I think both of them are just these two are just ladies. These women are just phenomenal in their performances. I think they just show so much, uh, what they what they have to do in these movies, whether it's whether it's trauma, whether it's you know staying calm, whether it's kind of like somewhat funny scenes here and there. But like it's really just about like the trauma they go, through, what trauma they they are they're showing, and like how broken they are as people. But man, like, their performances really are just phenomenal in this uh, phenomenal what I've seen this year. So, again, that to me, I don't think. Also, think De Niro, who's been in some a lot of crap in the past couple of years, like you know, shit like Dirty Grandpa or or was it Bad Grandpa? No, Dirty Grandpa, Bad Grandpa was the one with Johnny Knoxville, <laughs> different, way different movie. Or you know, stuff like something about my father, which I started watching. I fell asleep. It was so bad. But he's been in a lot of stuff. And I thought Irishman, he was fine. But like the way he's way he's walking as like a younger person, that was just so weird. That was so b- bizarre. I thought his little, I thought his little, you know, his little uh, scene, little you know, scene, scenes in Joker were good. It wasn't crazy, but he's been in a lot of crap. Where like, oh, the war with Grandpa heard is terrible. Like, he's been in a lot of, a lot of crap the past decade. So, to me, 
this shows like, hey, you want, I, I can actually do good movies and not do this like crap that people have seen me in the past couple of years. And I was very impressed with this performance because, again, it was just like, hey, this is like the Nero that I grew up watching with Taxi Driver and Goodfellas Casino, stuff like that. Again, Gibbs or says he brings a good, you know, has been a collaborator for now 50 plus years. They know how to get good, get good things out of each other. Uh, but the one thing I was surprised, and it's, it's more of a negative thing, obviously, I'm jumping around here, is that, you know, this performance-wise from Jesse Plemons, Lily Gladstone, De Niro, the, the actors who were playing the OC's Nation, everyone's bringing their A game, but really to me it was a big surprise that I think this was Leo's worst performance. It was our weakest, weakest performance for sure. Now, again, I grew up watching Lee DiCaprio. He's one of the movie stars of my genera- of my like you know childhood and growing up. Catch Me If You Can, you know, Romeo and Juliet, Wolf of Wall Street, The Departed, and the list goes on and on. Shutter Island. Um, you know, he's really a guy that's been part of my childhood for forever. And, you know, he is the one of the best actors of all actors of all time, and he's a true movie star. But the whole time I'm seeing this movie, I was like, wow, I'm like, this is Leo's like Leo to me is playing a character almost like a Rick Dalton from his last Tarantino movie, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And I was like, dude, your accent's not good in this. And to me, it's like he's kind of phoning it in. I might just, I know it's probably a crucial, controversial hot take right now. But the whole time, I'm like, dude, I've seen you play way better roles. Like, what are you doing? And even, I didn't like that movie as much, Don't Look Up. I thought he was better than that than this. And I was just like, man, like, you know, someone who admires you and thinks you're a you know phenomenal actor and creative. Man, this is this is not it, Chief. And I just, uh, this is not it, boss. And I'm just like... The whole time I'm like, man, like I kind of wish Jesse Plemons was the lead instead of him, instead of Leo, because I feel like Leo just wasn't wasn't doing anything different or interesting. And I'm like, you're kind of just playing this like almost playing this character of Rick Dalton as you did in the Tarantino movie. What's what's upon time in Hollywood? I'm like, dude, bring something new to the table. And all the time I'm just like, man, like you know, I don't know if he was just like what he was given direction wise or he how he got the script. But to me, this was like him just kind of just like phoning it in. I was like, yeah, another Scorsese movie. You know, I'm the golden boy here. You know, I still got what it takes. And yeah, he's a still phenomenal actor. But to me, like, I think I've seen him in the past, you know, years of watching him in movies. This was for sure his weakest performance and my least favorite of his, without a doubt. Movie-wise, no. But performance-wise, definitely my least favorite and weakest performance. No doubt about it. Cinematography in this, no matter what it is with Scorsese, it's always top tier. His, his, his camera work has always been amazing. His, his, the way he kept his shots and, and, and locations and environments, whether it's stuff from Taxi Driver, Wolf of Wall Street, Hugo, The Departed, Casino, Gangs of New York. Like, man, like he knows how to capture the environment and the surroundings and the people and the because you know what in a movie the place the place takes his places his his shots are almost characters of the movie whether it's like the seat well it's the craziness of the office in wolf of wall street whether it's the streets of boston and the departed or if it's you know the restaurants and the certain the different scenes in goodfellas you know uh it's there's so there's so much that in his shots his shots the the environments feel like characters and I've always admired that about Scorsese and his filmmaking. And cinematography in this is really is, is phenomenal. Like the way he catches some shots, the shots of the oil, the the Osage Nation, and their their land, a small town, uh, De Niro's house. Like really, like the way he captures these really this like these these environments are just it's, it's remarkable. And I think he still is one of the top tier filmmakers when it comes to like capturing just like amazing shots. And also with his cinematographer, who shot Barbie, and I'm blanking on his name, Rodrigo. Oh, it was Rodrigo something. I know it's 
Rodrigo Prieto, who, again, who was shot stuff like Wolf of Wall Street, Argo, one of my favorite Ben Affleck movies, uh, Barbie, yeah, Barbie, uh, a lot of Taylor Swift stuff. He shot, he shot a lot of his last couple of movies. Yeah, Passengers, which is beautifully shot, beautifully shot. Uh, stuff like Vinyl, a lot of sh- like a lot of sh- shows here and there too. But uh, wow, wow, he knows how to shoot a movie. Um, Brokeback Mountain, uh, Eight Mile, like he shot some amazing stuff. And I think he's definitely one of the best cinematographers working today. But like how him and Marty utilize each other in terms of filmmaking and getting shots is really remarkable in this. And that was definitely the highlight. One of the highlights of me was definitely the cinematography. And like most of his movies too, even for a movie like Irishman on Netflix, his production designs are really top tier. I say this with Spielberg, I say this with Tarantino, I say this with Christopher Nolan. Um, a lot of people's, their, Scorsese's production design and all his movies has been, to me, has been a staple of like American cinema and also just filmmaking in general. Because I remember as a kid, I remember like a teenager watching Goodfellas, Goodfellas for the first time. The, this, the production designs are just so immersive and you know a lot of it's gangster stuff obviously the mob or even the casino casino it's the he's he's able to get to transfer to kind of like kind of like transport you in this time no matter what and a lot of his movies are definitely period pieces minus you know stuff like the departed uh but you know and hugo and this and wolf of wall street and irishman even in silence who i didn't like as much Taxi driver, driver is a good example. He's able to transport you to these times, and the production design is always top tier, remarkable. Like there is some really like the set design, the costumes, the production itself is just so it's remarkable because you're just like this is how this is like this is the this is why this is why I go to the movies you see on the big screen because you were transported to like the different time and how the detail to the attention to detail to everything, the housing, the the Osage Nation, their their tribe, their 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 land, their everything is just really, the small fibers on their, co- on their on the costume is just really remarkable. I think it's like still like as an older as an older filmmaker like himself, he's still still able to do that masterfully years later. I was still very impressed with that in this movie. Costume design, like I said, I really to me, Lily Gladstone for sure is the best actor in this movie, no doubt about it. But Jesse Plemons. Who I remember reading this a couple of years ago is that he was cast as Jupe in uh, Jordan Peele's Nope, who was now played by Steven Yeun. Still great casting for both both that both both guys for sure. But I was like, wow, I would have I really again I like Nope as a movie more than this movie. But Jesse Plemons is a phenomenal actor too. Again, again, I grew up watching him in Like Mike, <laughs> you know, from everything from Like Mike to Breaking Bad to Game Night to this. He's just a really phenomenal actor. And again, as someone who will also be part of my childhood since like Mike, it's great seeing him get his flowers and seeing him in movies like this and seeing him in Breaking Bad because uh, he really is one of those actors that kind of just like, you know what? Don't sleep on this guy, man. He has a lot to offer as an actor. Um, and really, I, I just thought that like, I, I, knew he's, I knew he was in The Irishman too, but he was a very kind of smaller role. And he's been in stuff like crap, like, you know, uh, what was it? Oh, Battleship, which was terrible. But he's these small roles sometimes, whether it's Observer and Report, Paul, and to stuff like The Master, and again, Breaking, Breaking Bad, Black Masters, a very underrated movie he's in, Bridge of Spies with Spielberg, American May is a phenomenal movie, it's super underrated, The Post, Black Mirror, his Black Mirror episode is phenomenal, and he's so, the way he plays that, and he steals the show in Game Night as, as, the, as the Gary, the officer, but he's he was great. I mean, do do in the Black Messiah is a movie that sticks with you to this day, and the way he plays Roy Mitchell and his chemistry between Keith Stanfield is really something just very unique and very different. 
But man, he's really great in this too. I and you know, for a four-hour movie, he comes in very like I would say like more than halfway part as the FBI agent. Um, I definitely and he definitely plays a bigger character in this than he would have in Nope as Jupe. But with that said, I really do think Jordan Peele and him would have could something like really cool together. And I hope that you know, this, I hope that doesn't like kind of close the doors for him to come back as an actor in, in, in a Jordan Peele movie anytime soon because I feel like they would work phenomenal together. And I would love to see Jordan Peele write something for him, whether it's a good guy or a bad guy in his movies. But like, I would just love them to work together. Um, so I was definitely bummed when he he left. Nope, again, Stephen Yeun was also a really good choice as Jupe in that movie as well. But I just I still love to see what work with him with um with uh, with Jordan Peele again and Brendan Fraser too. He's in it at the very very end of this movie with John Lithgow and their scenes are very good too. And I was like, wow, I'm more interested in seeing their characters than I was with Leo's performance personally. Uh, and again, a lot of the cast playing the 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 O'Shea's Nation members are just really bringing their a lot of them again, were unknown actors. Like I said, if you can cast unknown actors to play these roles, to me. It takes me out of like real life. I'm like I'm kind of watching this 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 movie and seeing how well these performance these performers or the actors are just giving them the best performances. And again, I get kudos to the casting director to Scorsese because you know when you cast unknown actors and a big movie like this with a big director, it really kind of adds to the value of the movie at all, for sure. But like I said, I definitely have a bit more I guess cons and not so great things. To say. That, that's not true. So I have definitely more things that I didn't like that I, that I did like in this movie. I, I didn't. I did not. I didn't hate this movie. I didn't despise it, but I was very lukewarm about it. The way I was, was with Irishman and Silence. Uh, like I said Leo's was telling me it was like I said he was definitely playing a character, the more of a character. I thought it was kind of playing leftovers from Brick Dolan in that in Tarantino's movie. And also too, I know it's this. I think in Irishman as well, maybe in Wolf, maybe too, is that. The sound design was weird. When they're in the courtroom and certain like inside things, it sounded like it sounded like so. It sounded like this. I'm talking like this. And my hands, my mouth. It sounded like muffled. And it sounded just so weird. And I was like, okay, is this me? Is it a time period thing? But like, there people are talking like just talking like like this, and you hear like the muffling. I'm like, whoa, like wait a second. I can't hear the saying, and it just like threw me off because then the next scene, the audio sound would be okay, but there was multiple times where the sound was just very just like not mixed well, or not just like just not just not utilized well, or there was muffled. I'm like, did someone not like edit the sound, or who proved this cut? Because it's it sounded so weird, and especially at the, the last, the third act, the third like the third uh, the third part of the movie, like it just the last last part just felt the audio just was all over the place. But I noticed that throughout the movie too. But the last part definitely was like, wow, the audio was all over the place in terms of like muffling and clearness and clarity. It was very weird. Um, uh, also, too, when it mixed with loud noises or like gunshots or explosions or like someone hitting, it was, it, I noticed this too. And I'm like, am, am, I, am, am, I, am I just tired or something? Because this is weird. There was times where the sound was not in sync with the, with the action. When a gun went off, the gun goes off. But the sound was going like two or three seconds later, and I was like, "What just happened?" Like it happened a couple times. If you, I, there's certain I don't want to spoil things. It's a non-spoiler review, but if you if when you watch, you see the movie. If you know what I'm talking about, watch for certain scenes with the weapon or explosion because the sound is delayed, and that could be a thing. That could have been a choice from Scorsese and his team, but to me, I was like, "What the hell?" It was so weird, and I was like. 
was that intentional? Because again, I, I, I swear I saw a gun. Someone shoots a gun, no sound, no sound, and then boom, gun. And the camera doesn't move off. It, it, it stays there, and I was just like, "What the hell?" <laughs> it was so weird. And I think I saw that in Wolf or one of those other movies where the sound was not in sync. And I was like, "This is weird." And again, I don't know if that was a, a creative choice or that was intentional. But this is a really big budget movie made by a legendary filmmaker, a studio movie. That was just weird. And again, it's, it's not, this isn't like a student film or low budget indie, whatever. Y'all should know better than to like really work on your sound. But I don't know. I, I just feel like it was just kind of like a little over the place and in terms of sound. And leading to that, it, you know, I've you probably heard me on the show multiple times about, you know, the use of characters, you know. If you have a lot of characters introduced, you gotta make them memorable or you gotta make them kind of just like, okay, I remember this person. And I reviewed something recently, I forgot what it was, where I was just like, oh my god, there's so many characters, it's too much. I said this in my theater reaction as well. There's so many characters in this movie. There's a lot. And I do I don't think Scorsese has the same sharpness of you know, pointing out characters or focusing on characters than he did maybe in Goodfellas. He's in Goodfellas, so many people in Goodfellas or Casino. A lot of people like Casino or even Wolf of Wall Street. You know, Wolf of Wall Street with you know Jordan, uh, you know uh, um, Jordan Belfort and his crew. Like man, or even to the party. Like, there's so many characters in the movie, but you know who's who. Like you know the weirdos in Jordan Belfort's crew, Wolf of Wall Street. You know um, the the redhead, the guy from My Name Is Earl. Um, you know the guy that eats donuts, eats donuts a lot. Like you, you know who those people are. Like okay, that's so and so or John Berthnall. You know, I know this person, I know this person, whatever. But in this movie, there's so many people. There's so many characters that are kind of popping up here and there. And I was having a Trump have a hard time of like, wait, who's that again? Oh, it's that person. Oh, okay. But there was so many different name drops and reference to other people. I was just like, wow, there's a lot of people he's introducing. And, you know, for a four-hour movie, you would think I would know these people by heart and their names and who they're from. I mean, their damn bank accounts and their social security numbers. But I was forgetting their names, forgetting their, who, they, who they were because there were so many people introduced that it was taken away from, like, the actual storyline of Leo and uh, Lily's character and De Niro's character and a few others. It was just a lot in terms of, you know, the, you know, in terms of the Osage Nation character uh, people terms of the people the not the non Osage nation people people of the town it was just a lot you're, you're just seeing a lot of people and you gotta make them at least memorable or some kind of like relevant because there was like again and so and so this person yeah and then this person yeah I, I talked to this person i was like who who's who i'm like what's going on and you they weren't they just weren't memorable enough i just think that you guys they, i think marty and his co-writer eric roth introduced so many different characters that it was hard to keep up with or track with. And I, I have the same issue with, you know, the show Ozark. There was, like, so many different characters every week. Oh, this person, oh, this person, this person, this person. It's like you've got to focus on a couple or just use the – or you really focus on a certain amount of people. Again, I think if this movie was mostly just on Leo, Lily, and De Niro, maybe Jesse Plemons comes in at the end too. Okay, that would work. But they introduce way too many people that it takes away from, like, the importance of the story and, and the and – the, be able to track these characters and follow them because it was just it was a lot it was a lot and i was like okay i was kind of like okay this is this it was kind of it was distracting uh i said this in my theater at theater reaction i'll say this again on here too i said this again with the irishman this movie's almost this movie's almost four hours this movie is long af 
in the first hour, I was kind of like, oh, okay, it's it's a slow pace. People, a lot of people, my fellow critics, a lot of my fellow movie reviewers, were kind of just saying like, oh, the pace doesn't bother me. It was fine. I'm like, okay, for again, for me, I'm not really. I definitely noticed pace maybe more than I did maybe a few years ago or college before doing the podcast, obviously. But now with you know reviewing things more critically, more like from a critic standpoint, I just think that this movie could have been easily two and a half, two forty-five, or a lot of my fellow critics and reviewers are saying the same thing. They're saying this movie could have been a really great miniseries for HBO or whatever, Hulu. Because I feel like there could have been my complaint about the characters. That may could have been fleshed out or more you know, focused on in a series, miniseries, limited series format than a movie. Because you feel the pace in this movie. And I'm, I'm no stranger. I'm not shy of saying, hey, this, this pace was long. We had a bad pace, and we had a, like a long pace, whatever. I don't mind slow burn movies. I really don't. I, I enjoy them more than a lot of people I know. But the pace just felt it's kind of just very excessive, and for a little little way, how I felt with the Irishman. It was, that was also a very long movie too. I know Wolf of Wall Street, three hour movie too. But Wolf of Wall Street has a pace. It goes, man. It goes. It, it's crazy too. It, the way the way it keeps going, the way it paces, the way the it's like frantic here and there. Like it, it really it, it goes, and I think the Departed same thing. I think the Goodfellas same thing. They, his his movies from his movies from Wolf prior, they have a really good pace and a really good rhythm to it. But with Silence and with Irishman and with this, I think Scorsese is really trying to like blend these movies out because you know, as, as he gets older too, he doesn't have enough time to like make a lot of different movies. So he wants to make his movies as long as as he can. I get that. He's a filmmaker. We're filmmaker for a reason. But to me, I was like, man, this movie is just dragging. And it felt excessive at times, whether it's really dragged out shots or just long dialogue scenes. I'm just like, okay, I get it. But it just some things weren't spent enough time on. I think the FBI stuff, I've heard from other critics on other podcasts that the FBI stuff was really interesting. But the way it was kind of like, not crammed in, but the way it was introduced felt kind of just like, really just kind of rushed to the very end. Okay, by the way, FBI is here. They're investigating the murders. Boom, here we go. Okay. Or I would even, or even like the, the culture within the Osage Nation. I, again, I think Martin maybe, we're saying might have had like a different like approach to it, but like there was parts where like, I want to learn more about the Osage Nation. I want to learn more about these people, uh, Lily Gladstone, Molly, her character Molly, her, her sisters, and her mom. I want to learn more about certain people, certain people that were introduced later on in the movie that were from that were half blood or full blood Native American. I wanted to look more know about them. So I was just like, wow, like I'm, really, I, I was more intrigued by that. I just don't think the pace was utilized the best it could have been in some of his other movies. I do think that I might be the minority here. I thought, I thought the pace was way too long. I thought it was way too long. And I definitely thought I was going to doze off at the beginning. I was like, wait a second. This is kind of, this is dragging out. There's a lot of things with De Niro and Leo at times. They're just, they're just dragging out. I'm like, okay, like, <laughs> all right, I, I, I get it. But it just, to me, like when a filmmaker, if a filmmaker can't really utilize the, t- the, 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 the three hour mark or their one time, you know, Wisely to me, it's like okay, it's it, you're kind of showing like you're, look at me. I'm doing this as a filmmaker. Like look at me. It's a little pretentious, I would say. And again, I liked Oppenheimer a lot. I didn't love Oppenheimer, but I definitely felt the runtime. He's like, it was by so fast, man. I was like, I disagree. You know, I saw the movie twice. Saw twice in IMAX, once at this press screening, and once with Nick. And I felt the runtime a lot more the second time. The first time I kind of felt it, I was like, okay, we're still in this thing. What's going to happen next? I was still I was still intrigued by it. I'm gonna be wrong. 
But the second time around, I was like, oh, we're only 45 minutes in. We got a lot more to go. So if you can, if, to me, it's like I definitely have been noticing different run times. Again, three-hour movies, two-hour movies, one hour and a half, whatever. It To me, I'm definitely noticing the feel of like, hey, the, the pace, what's the rhythm to this movie whatsoever. And again, I think this movie suffers from a too long of a runtime. And maybe I'll watch it again in parts when it comes on Apple TV. Just like, okay, I'm, I kind of want to go back to kind of dissect certain things. Like what I just didn't get the first time, what I kind of just wanted to learn more about. But uh, overall, I thought the pace was a little too long. And I think it's, like, it's I think he's, I think Scorsese is more of a pattern now in making these older, longer, extended movies. I, like I said, I'll end on this. I think that I will agree, I will agree with my fellow, some of my fellow critics and podcasters is that this maybe could have been a miniseries, limited series, if Martin wanted, if Scorsese, Scorsese wanted to do it or he wanted to produce it, either or. I think that may could have been utilized better. There's a lot to di- lot to dissect of this of the story. It's based on it's, it's based on true events, based on a horrible horrible massacre and 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 murders and and just how fucked up how disturbing everything was, how fucked up everything was. I think that maybe the story may deserve more of a of a longer expend maybe longer way to. More of a way to, to story to tell us narratively, maybe in in, a, in, a, in in television or miniseries or whatever. But it's a lot material for a movie, and I think maybe it could benefit from that. But you know, again, I definitely liked it more than The Irishman and Silence. I'll be, I'll definitely say that. But it's definitely not top tier Scorsese. I think it's I think it's, I think it's definitely made real well. Made real well, directed really well. But in terms of performance, I think Leo was definitely Leo's weakest performance and my least favorite of his. And I don't think it's good. I don't think it's really as good as a taxi driver or Goodfellas or Departed or Wolf of Wall Street. But I would agree that this story is very important to know about because I didn't know about the story until seeing this movie and then reading up on it afterwards of like what actually happened and stuff like that. It is very important to know about to know about this movie and to learn about it. And again, I'm not only more of a historical buff, whatever, but to me, I want to, I definitely research it after. I, was, I want to know more of like what actually went down during this time in Oklahoma um, during this time period and like what was going on with the murders and how these people were being slaughtered. So it definitely was uh, good to good to read up on the actual events after seeing this movie. Not because I based on the movie was fully true, but I want to know more about the actual. Uh, accurate parts of the of, of the movie, so I will give Killers of the Flower Moon out of ten. I would give it a six and a half out of ten. I don't. It's def, It's like if, if Ron Tomatoes. I'll get definitely give it fresh because of like the Gladstone's phenomenal performance. Again, cinematography, uh, production design, just the the way it was filmed. Definitely. But I, guess I, I can't. Maybe I like it more if I watch it again. Yeah, six, six, I'm kind of torn six, six and a half and a seven because there are things I, I did like would appreciate it out of the movie for sure. Yeah, I would give it a no. Actually, I'll, I'll give it a seven. I'll give it, I'll give it a seven. I'll give it a seven out of ten just because of like her performance. I thought was was remarkable, and I thought a lot of things that the movie would definitely definitely worked. Definitely kind of like captured me, but. I, I get. I think I give Irishman a six or a five and a half, but you know, Wolf of Wall Street is definitely a ten for me. Gavell's a ten for me. Departed is a solid nine for me. Uh, uh, Casino's definitely good seven or eight for me, and I, I love Taxi, Taxi Driver too. So I, I, give it, I, I give it a seven. I give, definitely give it a seven, a solid seven out of ten. And 
I would definitely, I think if definitely move that, I would definitely recommend seeing. I mean, it probably, probably stop playing now in your market. So I definitely, if, if you're interested in seeing this movie, definitely watch it. Definitely, definitely see it on Apple TV. I think you can pause it and kind of like rewind some stuff for sure. Um, if you're getting too tired, you can pause it and come back and watch it. And as someone who's pro theatrical, more of a streaming, I would definitely say if you can see it in the theater, definitely can you support movies like this, support the Apple TV and studio partner, Paramount Pictures partnership. Because again, I want to see. Apple keep doing this with their studio partners. I want to see maybe down the road. I mean, I know Amazon, Amazon's doing that with their studio and MGM, stuff like that. So I definitely want to see more of this uh, collaboration. I think it's going to be important to how we, you know, attend movies. And I think 2024 is going to prove that we definitely need theatrical experiences. And, and then that supports streaming. It streaming supports theatrical. It's definitely a hand-in-hand. Hand. It's a partnership that we need to kind of like be healthy for us to see really great movies and great uh, stories being told. So yeah, guys, definitely. Yeah. So seven, seven out of 10 for sure. Okay. Didn't love it. Didn't hate it, but that was just, it was decent. It was good. But yeah, guys, so I hope you enjoyed my little bit of a rambling in terms of the review uh, roundup this week for kills of flower moon. I'm hopefully to get you guys a review. Uh, hopefully get maestro. That's what I'm debating seeing in theaters. Cause I love stars born. I Cooper's my favorite actor of all time. Um, and I love Carrie Mulligan, and you know, I guess Scorsese and Spielberg producing that movie. I'm going to try to see in theaters before the new year. Or I know it's on streaming on Netflix now, but again, I still kind of support that in, uh, in theaters. So I have that. And then hopefully, I think Nick and myself might go see Aquaman this week. So I'll have a review for that as well. So I still got to watch Gran Turismo on Netflix. There's a few others too. I watch Reacher. If you haven't seen Reacher, the Reacher show is phenomenal. I can't wait to watch season two. But yeah, then after that, we think me and Nick have our first press screening for Night Swim. Uh, I think it's Universal and Blumhouse, and I think James Wan's producing it too. So that's about the first week of January. Hopefully, it's good. And a lot. Thanks for review, guys. So hopefully, I think Zeta wants to be back on the show too to talk about movies and stuff. And her and I are going to screening of Mean Girls, the musical that we her and I both saw the the actual Broadway of it a couple years ago. And it was phenomenal, and we love we love Mean Girls in general, and the movie and the music. So can't wait to review that. But yeah, a lot in the pipeline for you guys in terms of reviews. So like I said, hopefully we have a hopefully we'll have a video um, format of the podcast too for you guys. Maybe beginning of uh, first few months of 2024. If not, maybe maybe in spring. So look out for that. But yeah, guys, like I said, hope you all have a wonderful and blessed holiday season. We we, you know, we all, from the show, we all wish you guys it's a very lovely and safe holiday. Enjoy the time. Enjoy your time. Um, I know the boys and I will be back with the last episode of 2023. Next week, I think we're going to do our top 10 of 2023, so look out for that. We have a lot to, a lot to discuss, and I think Moses might come back on for that. I know he's been really busy with you know the strikes ending. He's back, he's back in working in production, stuff like that. And oh, we have a lot. I'm still working on my top 20, top 10 of 2023. A lot of movies that were just great this year, a lot that I, I like, but I didn't love. A lot, 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 lot more of my honorable mentions, I would say. But a lot to discuss. So look out for that. I think we'll be back. I think we'll have our last full episode of the the, the full show of the podcast, John of Your Life, on next Friday. And then I'll probably do another audio newsletter, another review roundup for you guys next week as well. And hopefully, look out. I'm trying to do some more, some more giveaways with you guys, make some digital codes, make some movies, and hopefully do some more screening giveaways for you guys all, for. Um, those of you all in the Phoenix area, but also I'll probably do the giveaways like digital codes and movies, maybe, uh, and and all over the U.S. But hope you all enjoy this review roundup episode slash newsletter. Again, guys, happy holidays, Merry Christmas, uh, be safe, you know, enjoy time with your loved ones, yourself, and friends. As always, we will see you at the movies. <laughs>